Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. My name's Caleb, if we haven't met, and um, I'm really glad that you're here today. We're in for a good morning. Um, I started a message last week, and it was called uh, Things I Discovered. Things I have discovered on my faith journey. And I kind of didn't get all the way through it, so this will be part two uh, today. I'll just give you a quick two-minute recap. Um, if you weren't here last week, I got through five points last week, and they were as follows, and then we'll go on from there. Number one, I talked about how truth, I'd come to realize that truth is a person, not a doctrine. Mel alluded to this in a communion message this morning when she said the clearest picture of what God is like that we have, I believe, is Jesus. Uh, He's a person, I I would rather hold on to my relationship with Jesus than hold on to the doctrines that I had growing up. Doctrine is is kind of our place and how we put parameters around God within our minds. Number two, the second thing I talked about was transformation is the goal. That the goal of our Christianity, that our spiritual life is transformation from the inside out. The third thing I talked about was success is obedience. I thought there's just, doing the mundane is underrated, sorry, is undervalued and not overrated. Sometimes I feel like we, we think that God's life or the, the journey that he has for us is a highlight reel. But a lot of the time it's not. It's just being faithful in the mundane. It's just saying one yes and continually fulfilling what he's already spoken to us rather than waiting for the next big ask. The fourth thing I spoke about was that our faith is not responsible for outcomes. I think life throws us curveballs and that's okay. And that's okay. My faith isn't dependent on an outcome. My faith is set in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Otherwise, it would be up and down yo-yo of emotions or outcome-based, which I don't believe we're called to do. The fifth thing I talked about was that grace is gray. Growing up, I thought everything was black and white, not realizing, man, there's a vast chasm in between. Um, Anyway, you ready? Let's pick up from there. Number six, things I've discovered on my faith journey. Number six, I am not the judge. Who wishes they were the judge? Who thinks I'd make a pretty good one? Hit your spouse if they put their hand up there. Do the hammer and chisel, you know that one? Um, I'm not the judge. Youth camp's happening this week. We thought it was going to happen last week, but it's happening this week. One thing that I instigated at youth camp was Judge Geordie. Geordie, can you give us a wave up the back there? And Judge Geordie was this like corporal punishment system for youth camp. Um, which is a great idea, the best idea in the world. So if anyone did anything wrong on youth camp, they would be reported to Judge Geordie. And then their connect group leader would be able to defend that person in a courtroom that we set up at youth camp, and then we punished the guilty. That was it. Awesome. I know last year at youth camp, Dan, it's still sort of going on. Um, the idea still going on. Last year, they had like a set of stocks out there, and they were pouring the old leftover food over people. Like, it is brutal. But you know what? It's fun and memorable. And it reinforced the culture that we had, um, which is cool. I've been punished before on youth camp when I was a youth pastor because Kim dogged me. But but something I've learned on my faith journey is that I'm not the judge. It's actually freeing. Matthew 7, a really well-known passage, Matthew 7 verse 1, judge not that you may not be judged. 
For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Verse three, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you know what I was found out? I'm not the judge because it seems to take me a lifetime to get the plank out of my own eye. Seriously, we just need to be focused on ourselves for a second. We can pick the speck in our brother's eye all we want, but our job is to get the log out of our own eye, the plank out of our own life. It takes a lifetime to do that. The the people that Jesus had the biggest problem with were those that felt like they were perfect or that they were in and they were the speck identifiers on others, yet Jesus said, hey, no, it's you guys that need to remove the log from your own eye. The way I've treated people in the past Seriously, if I'm a little bit vulnerable right now, the way that I've treated people or judged people in the past, I'm actually ashamed of today. There are people that I've treated terribly, and you know what? In the moment, I felt like my faith justified that. And I've honestly had to repent of that. Can I be open and honest this morning? Like, There's been times in my life where I'm like, I can't believe I treated that person in that season like that. God, forgive me. God, please don't judge me the way that I've judged that person. I've learned that I'm not the judge. I've asked for repentance. We can have differences of opinions. We can have different lifestyle choices. However, the way that we treat those people matter. It's like you can be wrong and right at the same time. Has anyone experienced that? But is it filtered by love? Not judging is different to condoning. It doesn't mean that I would elevate a contrary worldview or put it in a place of authority in my life, but what it means is that I'm not the judge, it's above my pay grade. And that's actually releasing. Any business owners in the room? Everyone loves the idea of owning a business. I couldn't think of anything worse. Being an electrician sort of before this season working at church, it's like people, oh, I'd run your own business. I'm like, no, because I'm not an idiot. I loved leaving work at home. This is one where, you know, you know that feeling, that knockoff feeling? I miss that, like three o'clock Friday afternoon because you started early, job and knock, let's go home, we're done. That's the feeling we get when we understand that God's a judge and not us. Otherwise, we carry around this burden of this person's doing that and I'm doing this and no, no, here's the judge. It's actually freeing. I love how Paul puts it, Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads people to repentance? The goodness of God. Paul says that the goodness of God, not the judgment of sin, not the judgment of the church, but it was the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. How Jesus responded to many people throughout the Gospels is an example of this. The woman at the well, man, he just saw her. A woman that was striving to be seen, to be acknowledged, to be accepted. The woman caught in, the, uh, in adultery. These are great examples of this. Many more from the Gospels that Jesus saw and he didn't judge, but the goodness of God led them to repentance. We get what we do not deserve. Far be it from me that I would want others to get what they deserve if I don't want to get what I deserve. Paul said to Timothy in uh, Timothy 2, 4, he said, 
that Jesus would judge the living and the dead. It's above our pay grade. I am not the judge. Can we leave it at that? Number six, things I learned on my faith journey. We are stewards, not providers. We are stewards, not providers. Um, who sort of feels like they're the provider for their house? Anyone? I, I kind of, I understand that. I understand that. Like, um, I understand that. And that may be true in some ways, but I believe that everything we have comes from God in the first place. And it's been hard to learn this because I'm good at things. <laughs> Are you? You feel valued from that. But I've learned in my life that I'm a steward, not a provider. Everything we have comes from Him first. I've shared this sort of joke story thing before, but it's about a man who challenged God to a create-off. He thinks he's pretty creative. God's pretty creative. You know what, God, I'll challenge you to create something awesome. So the man goes to God and he goes, okay, let's start. On your marks, get set, go. God's standing there going, yeah, this guy, what's he doing? This guy, he picks up some dirt and God says, hey, get your own dirt. The guy picks up something else and, and God says, hey, get your own. What I'm trying to say is that I believe everything exists because God did first. We are only stewards of what he has created, what the skills that he has given, the abilities that he has given. It all comes from him in the first place. I am not the provider for my family. That's a humbling place to be. I learned this on Zero Dollar Day. Everyone say Zero Dollar Day. Zero Dollar Day is the day when I was, I don't know, was I 22, hun, or something like that? 22, babe. And um, Kim and I were newly married. I thought that I was going to be in ministry in my life. I just felt like that's where God was leading me. It was scary. It was different to what I thought my life would look like. But um, So I tried to be wise. I had great role models in my parents, and I tried to be wise, and I tried to work really hard. I tried to save money. I tried to be very diligent so that I could go into ministry because I understood that I may not be earning the potential income that I could elsewhere. So I was trying to be a good steward as a young person. I remember I lost everything I owned on the stock market through my poor investment decisions. Like it's 100% my fault. But do you know what I realized? I realized that I wasn't the provider of my family, that God was. And I went on this faith journey saying, hey, God, I've tried in my own effort. As a 22-year-old, I had 60 grand or something that I'd saved and then I invested and I lost it all. And I thought I was like doing everything right, God, yet in this season, I learned that I wasn't the provider of my family. My job is to be a steward. This is maybe this is what David was singing about in Psalms 139, that you knit me together in my mother's womb, God. You gave me the ability to do this. You gave me this. I'm going to steward it. I think we're also called to steward the earth. What potential has God placed in you? This is the parable of the talents, and I won't read it for time's sake, but it's a very well-known passage. A guy was given five, one was given two, and one was given one, depending on where you read it in the Gospels. But they all had to give an account for what they did with what they were given. We are stewards of the talents that he's given us. What has he given you? What talents? What unique skills? 
Maybe the start in life. What start did you get in your life? To whom much is given, much is required. We're stewards of the influence he has given us. What are you doing with the influence that he's given you? We're stewards of the time that he's given us. Are we investing our time wisely? I've found out in life that opportunities have lifespans. Whether that's people in our world, whether that's other opportunities. We're stewards of the relationship that he's given us, the relationships that he's given us. Our kids, massive one. We're stewards of our kids for a season in their lives. We're stewards of our relationship, of our marriages. We're stewards of the resource that he's given us. How are we using our resources? Are we making the world a better place? The moral of this um, parable of the talents was that we use it or lose it. The one with five, he went and doubled it. And the guy with one, he did nothing with it. And then the guy that had five, doubled it. He had 10, got 11 in the end because old mate did nothing with his. So it got taken off the one that had nothing to the one that had it all. What are we doing with the resource he's given us? I think a cool way to live is an open hand policy. And this is really easy when we understand that we're not providers, but we're stewards. So God blesses me. I believe he's blessed me with the ability to hold a job, whatever that is. He's given me skills and abilities and opportunities that I could gain meaningful employment, which would be awesome. So God, if you've given me this ability, then you've given me the resource that would come with that job. So hold it like this. God can give more. He can bless us. But also, I want to be someone that can be generous, that has the ability that I'm not holding too tightly on it, but I want to have an open-hand policy that, God, it's not a challenge for me to give because I understand that it's yours anyway. That I didn't provide for this money, but you gave me this resource to steward in a season like this. So giving to me isn't a challenge because I understand it's all his anyway. Who loves spending other people's money? I do, amen. Come over for dinner, mum and dad. Oh, do you want to bring dinner? Who does that one? Kids, yeah. We love spending our parents' money. What if all the money that we had, we understood was God's anyway? We're stewards of the grace that he's given us. God, you've been so good to me. I'm not gonna damn, I'm not gonna stop, I'm not gonna block the flow of the grace that you wanna give through me. We're called to be ministers of his grace. If God gives it to us, he wants to give it through us. We are stewards, not providers. Number eight, I'll keep moving because I'm running out of time. Christianity is a team sport. Christianity is a team sport. Do you know that you get to play a part? You get to play a part. Those unique skills, those talents that God has given you just then that he has provided for you, the resource that he's provided you, the people in your world, the community that you live in, you get to play a part. God doesn't need us. He wants us. He chose us. We aren't doing God a favor 
No, no, this is the greatest thing that we could do with our lives. We all get to play a part. We're all called to prayer. Do we understand that? Because prayer, it shifts our focus. It changes us. It aligns our spirit with his spirit and it calls us to actions. How many times have you prayed for something and then you've realized that you're the answer to the prayer that you've been praying? So many times I have. God, I just prayed that the resource would come to help this person. And then God puts it on Kim's heart or my heart that, hey, you should be generous to that person. Or that need in India, and hey, wait a minute, don't just pray, but I have the resource or the action to do something about it. We're all called to minister, just like I said before, the grace that is given us. I've come to realize that everything is ministry. This is not ministry. If this is ministry, this five minutes here, and you need a voice like Jaden or Caitlin to be ministers, man, that would exclude majority of us, self-included. Everything is ministry. Ministry is a heart attitude, not a position. Ministry is, hey, God, I'm thankful. God, help me to bless someone in my world. Help me to show someone you. Help me to minister your love, your truth. God, if Christianity is a team sport, what position am I? What, what is my role? I may be an impact player. I may be on the bench. It may feel like season's on the bench. But we're all part of a team. Your role is not less than someone else's. Number nine, this is a hard one to learn, but I can't change anyone. Who's tried to change people? Who thinks we know how people should change? I can't change anyone. I've tried. Have you ever felt like you wanted God for someone more than they wanted him? Have you ever experienced that? I've experienced it because I, I feel like my life is better because of my relationship with God. And then I've really wanted this for others and I've wanted it more than I've wanted it for themselves. And I'm like, oh man, if only you knew. Do you know that it's not our job to change people? Our job is literally to set an example, to show them what Christ is like and to throw a heck load of seeds Think of the waste in the parable of the sower. Think of the waste of the seeds. Like, anyone thought about that? I'm here to tell you that God's not short of seeds. We're not going to run out of seeds or potential. In 1 Corinthians 3, 5, it says this, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through him whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's God that brings the increase. Our job is to do our small part in the opportunities that we have. So if I can't change anyone, what then is the goal? The goal is this, hey, Holy Spirit, guide and lead me today. I'll say what, what you want me to say. I'll do whatever it is, but Holy Spirit, you gotta lead me and you gotta guide me because on my own, I'm selfish on my own, I just can't see past this log or this plank in my own eye. On my own, God, I can't do this. I can't change anyone. Our role is to minister and to help, to position our lives to minister the Spirit of God. My relationship is my responsibility. To be consistent and steadfast. It's the Holy Spirit that brings about transformation and change. We can only help those that want it. 
Maybe this is what Matthew 10 speaks about, verse 14. And whoever will not receive nor hear your words, when you depart from that house, shake off the dust from your feet. I've got countless examples in my life of people that I've tried to change. And I've used every bit of resource available to me at the time. So do I get disappointed? Do I quit? No. Understand that it's not me that does the changing. God, I repent of trying to change people. But help me be someone that just points them to you. And Holy Spirit, would you minister something? I pray that something I said, maybe something I did in that relationship or in that season, planted a seed that another can come and water and that one day you can bring the increase. Number 10. Things I've learned in my faith journey. Number 10. This isn't easy. This is a great message, isn't it? How pumped up is this message? This is just so exciting, man. This is like, this isn't easy. The extent of my Christian ministry or leadership is directly proportional to my pain threshold. I don't know if you understand that, but that's what I've found out in my life. That the extent of my Christian ministry or my Christian leadership is proportional to my pain threshold. When was Jesus in the most 100% will of God for his life? I'd argue, well, the whole time, but on the cross. That's why he's praying in the garden, God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, God. This isn't easy. We weren't promised an easy life. Man, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've had to overcome self. I've had to say, hey, God, I don't feel equipped for this. Hey, God, I feel like I'm the wrong personality for this profession. Hey, God, I don't feel like this is, but nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, God. Number 11, things I learned on my faith journey. Number 11, you find what you're looking for. You find what you're looking for. What are you looking for? You heard that saying, misery loves company? Matthew 7, 7, such a well-known thing, and we use it a lot to do with prayer, but I actually think it's a bit of a principle for life in general. So it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. If you're looking for drama, you'll find it. Highway Youth taught me this. Seriously. You get 50, 12, 13-year-old girls in one room. Just my condolences and prayer to anyone that has a teenage daughter right now. Something to look forward to. Hey, babe. But if you're looking for drama, you find it. It's amazing that one person can shift the whole atmosphere of a couple hundred teenagers. If you're a negative person, you'll find a posse. If you're hurt, you're offended, you'll find others. But one thing I've really tried to be deliberate about is to have at least one friend, one person in my world that could call me on things. Like, if I'm being just negative, if I'm like, but hey, mate, tell me 
if this is just in my mind and this isn't actually reality. Hey, I need you to tell me if I'm just being negative here. Put me in a line if this is just a bad attitude. Feel free to tell me. You find what you're looking for. What are we looking for? I'm looking for the goodness of God in the land of the living. God is good. Our world is good. Let's shift our focus to what we're looking for. If we're looking to be offended, we will find offense. But he created this world for us to thrive. We do a thing at home called the Blessings Jar. Kim and I started it and I've talked about this before, but it just shifts our focus and it's so good. Every couple of weeks we sit around the dinner table. We have this big glass jar and we write down things that we're thankful for. God, I'm thankful for this. Every time Jethro writes down mum or dad or something and it just makes our night, that made it all worthwhile. We put down all these things we're thankful for. God, I'm thankful for this person in my life. God, I'm thankful for this situation. God, I'm thankful for this. And we put it all in a jar. Then on Christmas Day, we sit down as a family, we open up, we read all these things and we celebrate what God has done and what we're thankful for over the past 12 months. And it's awesome because it shifts my focus off the negative. I don't need help knowing what's wrong in my life. Do you? I don't need any help pointing out my stress areas in life. I don't need any help telling me why I can't sleep at night. I can do that on my own. Thank you very much. I need help reminding that God is good. That God, I'm thankful for that situation. I'm thankful for this situation. Man, that person is such a blessing to me. Write it down. Put it in a jar. Celebrate it. You find what you're looking for. Number 12, and I'll leave it with this one. I've learned on my faith journey is that church is good for me. Church has actually been good for me. All I can speak out is my personal experience because it's all I have. I believe in the community of the church. I do. And I feel like I need to preface this by saying that church is good for me when... <laughs> Well, I'm one of the leaders of a volunteer-led organization. This is not a setup. I'm not trying to sell something to you. I'm just speaking from my personal experience that church has actually been good throughout my life. The people that I wouldn't have normally have met, the diversity, the corporate worship, I believe it's a glimpse of heaven almost, like every tribe, every tongue, every nation. With Christ, the one thing that we have in common Man, majority of this room I would never have met if it wasn't for church. But then my experience is that church has really helped me in different areas of my life. I was a little bit more vulnerable with my part one of this message where I spoke about, but I'm here today largely because of a youth pastor and a connect group leader that's spoken in my life. And that only happened because I was in a community of believers or around church somewhat enough that someone saw the potential in my life when I didn't believe in myself. So church has actually been good for me. And I guess my experience is different because I've been on staff in church, I've been volunteering in church, like my whole life I've been volunteering never, well not my whole life since I, I was a late teenager, but, but I've been so busy in church life. And I think it's easy sometimes to let bad attitudes creep in or, oh, this isn't working for me anymore or church isn't perfect. I know because they let me in. 
literally, you let me in, so you ruined it today. Sorry if you want to come to a perfect church, I'm sorry, but they didn't stop me when I scanned the QR code. They let me in. Is church perfect? By no means. But I think there's value in it. I think there's a grounding in theology. You know what? We can have differences of opinion when it comes to our interpretation of Scripture in this place. And I hope that we're big enough to have that. I hope that you know that you can wrestle with your faith in this place without having to leave. Because I believe in this iron sharpening iron. I believe in the community of the church. I believe that God's not leading us all astray or that we're not an island, but I believe in the church globally. And Highway is just one expression of that. All denominations, I love them because the church is the bride of Christ. But the only way to bring about meaningful change is from within. Highway's not perfect. No church is. But you know what? I'm so hopeful for the future. I'm full of faith for the future of the church in Australia and in our world. Because my experience is that church has helped me on my relationship with God and community amongst others. Every night, Kim and I lately, we've been praying for Highway. We've been praying for the church. We've been praying for our senior pastors, Pastor Byron and Ann, and we've been really saying, hey God, you know what? Continue to build what you've started here. God, we believe in this thing. I don't think that you would let this organisation go this far to leave us high and dry now. God, we pray for the church across Australia. We pray for the expression at Gilston. We pray for it here in Ormo. We pray for it online. We pray for what we're doing in India. I believe in the church and I feel like it's been good for me in my spiritual journey. So there you go, 12 things I've learned on my faith journey. Can I pray? And then why don't we worship together? God, right now, across this room, God, I just pray, Lord, that something that I spoke about this morning, God, would encourage us to live a life for You. God, I pray over any offence or any attitude that's creeped in. God, I pray for anything that would be clouding our, our, our judgment or our eyes to see. God, I just pray, Lord, that You would build Your church, which is really just a group of believers, God. God, build us individually, build us corporately, and God, help us to be Your ministers here and now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Why don't we stand and worship for a moment? Thanks.